seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 106 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect players at and away from the game tables. I am your host, Daquan Watson, as always, and so far, we're still keeping the record intact for 106 consecutive episodes. I've had the same man riding shotgun. How's it going, Brian? I'm doing good, but Laura telling somebody to start moving construction equipment outside my window. I hope y'all can't hear that. I just barely heard it, so like, okay. uh, I, it's all right though. We'll we'll get it cleaned up in post. People may not even hear it by the time we're talking about it. Oh man, I legitimately don't know what kind of machine that is, but it's loud <laughs> and it's. And by the way, it is 70 p.m. in my neck of the woods, so. You got somebody's got an auger or a backhoe trying to put in some fence post or something next door. I knew we were too deep in the country. <laughs> Man, we have a, we're going to have a pretty fun show this week. We got a lot to talk about. But before we get into that, we do want to mention that we have a sponsor, as always, Cardsphere.com. You should check them out. They are a great place to buy and sell cards at the price you want. And just a good resource to have. Our boy Brian even writes articles over there. So people don't know that. Like, you can go check out articles and things over at Cardsphere as well. So if you want some fun They stuff, are good people. Yep. If you want to find out about other content creators they support, all that's over there also. But yeah, check them out. It's Cardsphere.com. And then, if you want to support us directly, we do have a Patreon. So you can go check that out. It's Patreon.com slash Color of Magic. As we say always... Your little bit of contribution really helps us keep the lights on and allows us time and money to kind of pursue other things, really try to bring other stuff on, plan some stuff for the future that we're working on as well. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to actually start trying to do some uh, video recordings of the podcast as well as audio. So that's coming soon. Uh, some editing stuff involved, but that's that's around the corner. And we may be debuting a new sponsor soon. So that's another fun thing. But back on the Patreon thing, we do have a new patron we have to give some props to, to Elaine Bideville. And by the way, this was mentioned by the Discord group. How about welcome to the pips? The pip? Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that makes me like Barry Gordy and you Gladys Knight, so I don't know if that works or not. <laughs> but... Oh. I thought that's one of the more amusing ones that have been right. We're gonna keep trying yeah, to one of them sticks, but I kind of like the pips because it's sort of like peeps. Yeah, but it but it's not. So I'm like I I can almost get on board with the pips because <laughs> to this day I don't think anybody really knows what a pip is. It was just always Gladys Knight and the pips, which I thought was funny. So yeah, anyway, the pips and. As we've started to do, we're going to start starting with this episode going forward. We do want to give a shout out to some of our other patrons that have been on board for a while. You know, people we see doing stuff out in the community or whatever that happen to be followers. So I want to give a shout out to Elliot Scott for being, according to our records, our actual first patron. Yeah, been been consecutive ever since day one. So thank you for that very much. I, that, that's something I think that deserves giving some props to definitely 
And then finally, if you want to get something for yourself while supporting us, we do have stuff over at colorofmtg.com shop. So go check those out. We do mail around the world and we do have shipping discounts as well. Okay, man, now it's time to get into the show a little bit. I gotta admit, this one, this week, I'm kind of changing up my part of the soapbox a little bit. This isn't as much of a rant as it is a moment to show, tell people how ignorant people can be when they let pride get in the way. And this is a fun story from a couple months back. And I never really talked about this. This is probably about eight weeks ago or so, maybe, maybe a little longer. But I saw the most ridiculous spectacle I may have ever seen at a barbershop. Now, first off, I do occasionally like going to the local barber college. And if it's same thing as like a beauty school or whatever. But if you have a, a beauty school or a barber college and you want to get services done, they're a good place to check out because you're going to get services at like 20 to 30% of the cost as you would have going to a salon or big time barbershop or whatever. And honestly, they're pretty good. Like sometimes are they going to be slightly less quality? Like, yeah, sometimes you do have people learning, but they have instructors in there to help them. Or if they don't understand the thing, they ask one of the more experienced people for help or whatever. So I've not had a bad experience at any of these over the years. And I think it's a cool way to contribute to people who are trying to better their lives and learn a new skill or a trade or whatever. But anyway, just want to put that out there for the world. But on this day, I'm going to the barber college and I'm sitting there, I'm getting, you know, my hair, hair done up or whatever. And this person comes in and they're already being kind of standoffish about like, well, I want to make sure I get the best person who's in here and blah, blah, blah. Knowing where he's coming, right? These are people learning or whatever. So he's already walking in being an ass. But at that point, one of the, or at least the person who I recognize as being one of the instructors, because I've seen them a few times, like giving out instruction and whatever. So he's like, cool, I'll take this one. No big deal. Right. So he gets a person over there and he's setting them up and they're not even maybe less than 10 minutes, maybe five minutes into the haircut. And the guy who's in the seat and I'm only you kind of like I'm only catching part of the conversation because the barber's repeating some stuff or whatever, obviously. And he's like, but the guy basically said something to effect of like, it doesn't feel like you're doing it right. And the dude's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, it just doesn't feel right or whatever. He's like, well, how about this? I'll do a little bit. And then we'll do check-ins. And then if you don't like how I'm doing it, we'll correct it or whatever. So the guy gets more of an attitude. He's like, well, no, you should just get it right the first time and blah, blah, and all this stuff, right? So now it's starting to be a little bit of a thing because the other students in there are now kind of looking at this person because like, well, if this is one of our leaders and our instructor, how does he handle this situation, right? So now the instructor's in a messed up situation because you can tell he kind of wants to get an attitude back with the guy but you really can't when you got the rest of the eyes of the room on you or whatever, yeah. <laughs> right? So he's in this like weird middle zone where like if he'd have told the dude off, ain't nobody going to have a problem with it, but he's trying to be professional, right? So he kind of talks the dude through it a little bit and says like, hey, look, man, I've been cutting hair for a while. Like, let me do this. Like, this is the type of cut I do all the time. If you want it like this, I can do it the way you want, whatever. Like really trying to like good customer service the guy, right? Starts back up, couple minutes in, dude's already having more of an attitude, right? And then this is where it goes off the rails, right? The dude looks at the bar, like whips around and says like, man, I don't think you know what you're doing. I bet I could cut hair better than you can. And 
at that point, everybody, like, literally, like, you hear the proverbial, like, record scratch? <laughs> the whole room went like, oh, even then, I, I looked at my bar, I was like, I was just told my bar, I'm like, hold up, because <laughs> like, I don't want to miss this, right? So, dead serious, like, this dude, this is, and this is where, like, the pride took over, right? Because the, the barber was like, man, I don't know about that, like, are you really sure? Because, like, if you trust me and give me a chance, whatever, like, it's a lot more difficult than it looks. This is why we're trying to teach people and blah, blah. Try to explain to them, like, hey, there's some real skill and art to this, right? But the dude wants to keep on with his attitude. So then the guy was like, well, cool. You want to cut your own hair? And then the dude was like, yeah, give me the clippers. And then oh, and you could tell before he gave them to him, the guy tried to save them from himself because he was like, have you ever even cut hair? He's like, no, it can't be that hard. And it was like, cool. Oh, God. And he handed over the tools and he was like, all right. And this dude, for real, and don't get me wrong, I've cut my own hair before. Just, but, you know, simple, some simple stuff. right? I'm not trying to do yeah. like a fancy fade or whatever. But like this dude's in the mirror, like trying to, you know, he's up close trying to cut his hair and like trying to get the sides and doing all this. And then the kicker to the whole thing is the dude gets done and he looks at a couple people that are like in the chair next to him. Like, so like the patron and the barber or whatever. And he's like, how does the back look? And man, it was effed up. And of literally, it was. they were just like, nah, you look good, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, y'all are wrong for that. Right. Cause you can see it from the other side of the room. I'm like, that does not look good. Right. Oh, God. Dude, dude was like, then he looked at the barber and got natural. Like, see, I told you it wasn't even that hard. If you'd have just done what I said, blah, blah, you know, one of those things. Packs up his stuff, walks out. And I look at the room and I'm like, does this dude not realize he walked in, got an attitude, and then paid to give himself a bad haircut and left? Because he didn't get a refund or nothing. He just packed up and walked out. Wow. And I'm like, man, some people, like, they just don't, like... You got to know where to call it quits, man. Like, you just can't get in too deep. You got to know, like, let me take a step back. If somebody and and when somebody has that real concern in their voice that they're trying to help you, that's usually your indicator that, like, you might be too deep. Like, just take a second back and just, like, say, okay, let me listen to this person for a second. They sound seriously concerned. Because I'm telling you, when he's like, hey, man, like, have you ever even actually cut hair before? Was like, when that dude said, no, but it can't be that hard. I'm like, and the dude handed over the clippers. I'm like, oh, disaster incoming. Disaster. Multiple you, opportunities yep. to back off. Yeah, he tried, man. Credit to that bar because he tried his damnedest. And the dude was my, just my like. My story also has a point where some people were oh. given the, the chance to, to correct themselves and chose not to take it. But that, so that, that was, was going to be a good my my top moment like that eclipsed my other top moment i'd had in a barbershop where because because i'm okay other thing is if you've never been to a black barbershop you almost always have somebody come by selling some bootleg something oh yeah right it, it, the dude might one day come by with a uh an ice chest full of fish he just caught selling fresh fish he might be cooking some food but like on this day he came by with some bootleg dvds I can say anything all the way up from the beginning of DVDs all the way up to social security numbers. Yeah, yeah. Like, true story. Like, like Ice Cube's barbershop. Yeah, so this dude, he's in here trying to sell, like, various DVDs. He's, like, listing what he's got, right? He's like, oh, I got this one, this one. And people are like, all right, you see some people going to get their money? And then he's like, I got Passion of the Christ. I got, And I was like, man, black people. And then one dude even said, like, man, I don't do bootleg Jesus. Like, <laughs> like everybody, like... 
like that tells you how black people we're afraid of everything man like for real they were just like nah i'm good man like you know like <laughs> jesus you got bootleg jesus everybody was out like uh, My new gamer tag is gonna be bootleg. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably get good reactions. All right, I've wasted too Until much. It got banned. Time. <laughs> I've messed, wasted too much everybody's time with my storytelling. You I'm have gonna, not wasted too much time with that story. I'm gonna let you get into it because your story is more of a real story this week. And as I said, also has a point where where somebody could have taken a different turn. You have. At this point, I'm sure you've heard a bit about South Lake in Texas, where it's just the, the racism is run amok, despite all their efforts to convince people racism Dude, is not It's been that amok. way my whole life in South Lake. Right. So, so they're acting like, I'm talking about, there's a quote in the story that I'm pulling this from, talking about the media is blowing to know. As residents of Texas, <laughs> Daquan for a while, I'm still a resident, can confirm no. It's not the media. <laughs> it's you, South Lake. This past Monday night in South Lake, a, a student was giving testimony, you know, about her, a Jewish student about how they have been bullied. And one of the district administrators uh, gave, gave a comment saying that if you're going to teach about the Holocaust, if you have a book about the Holocaust, you should also have a book representing opposing viewpoints or other perspectives. So immediately, as I said, they were given the opportunity to correct themselves. A teacher immediately spoke up and said, how exactly do you oppose the Holocaust? But no, the, the administrator continued down this nightmarish path and said, believe me, it's come up. Well, dude, the opposite of defend or i guess defending the holocaust i guess or whatever you would want to be call it. just rampant nazism exactly the denying that it happened i guess is the, uh, would be another opposing viewpoint but i mean i, I, I all the germans i, I know like oh. all the germans i know have told you like you for real like you just like they've accepted that being a nazi is one of the worst things you could call somebody right so like i don't yeah, that's that's so ignorant. I could see like okay, you if you're teaching like okay, this is what the two separate sides believe with again the Nazis being pretty much the ultimate evil believing the Jews didn't even write to to live. But when you talk about a book with the are you is mein Kampf going to be added to the reading list? I don't understand what That was I was literally about to say the same thing. I was like, I guess so, you just start telling kids to take home Mein Kampf and just see what their parents say. South Lake has reached the point where apparently critical teaching critical race theory is you know unconscionable. Teaching master race theory in some people's mind, a okay. But you know, what? I'll tell you this: when I heard this story, I thought they're taking the wrong approach. See, what you do is you say, you know what? Maybe they're right. So I would take every single thing we teach and I would just start making announcements that we're adding this opposing viewpoint. Right. So when you talk about Christopher Columbus discovering America, well, we'll have to talk about all the ways he was wrong and didn't find America and all the crappy things we did to the natives. Uh-huh. Because that's got to be part of what you teach. And boy, that's how we... <laughs> that's kind of how we got to this point, isn't if, it? Trying to teach we're going to talk about... 
President Washington and Jefferson and whatever, well, we got to talk about all the slaves that they owned and how they possibly slept with slaves and blah, blah, and whatever else, because that's the opposing viewpoint. We got to talk about that, too. And I bet you, if you keep bringing that stuff up, eventually they're going to back off that. But as I told people, I said, the trick is just go in with it and be like, all right, cool. Let's go find all the things we teach and talk about all those other things that we don't talk about, too. And all of a sudden, I bet you see them change their tune. Because when you come back and say, no, remember, you passed this bill that said I have to teach this. <laughs> right? Eventually, they'd be like, yeah, maybe that was a bad idea. It's it, it's an absolute disaster. And again, it all started because they were afraid that people might learn some of the things you're talking about, Daquan, like our president's owning slaves and, you know, the Civil War and things that are obviously very uncomfortable for people, but that's what history is. So much of it is uncomfortable. Or, as, as you mentioned, the, 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 the just... The, the shame that that uh, the German community has about the Nazis and what they did, for some reason, the South has not reached that level with the Confederacy. They just... Yeah, it's just the way it is, man. People are going to hold on to what they're going to hold on to. We we have people in the South. As we're, I've pro- I don't know if I told the story in the podcast before, but I once attended a Confederate wedding, which is still a thing that they do, apparently, in the South. Where one of the sons of Confederate veterans marries one of the daughters of Confederate veterans, and it's a whole big shebang. Mm, I ain't gonna lie, man. That'd make me feel real uncomfortable. Oh, it did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I don't know, like, even if they were friends, I'd be like, I don't know if I could go to that. I, I, do y'all do, do y'all not have any other reporters <laughs> you can send to this piece? It's it's like when they tried to take. Do you remember that story from years back where they tried to take uh, an underprivileged school, some black kids, to a field trip on a cotton plantation? Yeah, and I was just like, "Ooh, somebody did not think this through, did they?" Uh, <laughs> the South, this kind of stuff happens all the time because again, there just isn't the same level of shame regarding the Civil War and the Confederacy as there is for being a Nazi, and there should be, because they're both built on the foundation that another race is not does not deserve the same rights and privileges that you have. Yep. Oh, also, that story, it wasn't just the field trip of them going that was bad. Because, I mean, going there and teaching and educating is fine. The problem is they actually had the kids in the kids. field go through and pick some cotton. Yeah, and that's the messed up part. <laughs> you actually had them go work the field and pick cotton. And I'm like, oh my god, like, just complete, just obliviousness. To... Yeah, like you should have known that was going to be a bad look going in. Like you should, you would think so. Um, I went, was that in South Lake? I remember. <laughs> no, that definitely was not in South. It was in the South, oh. but it wasn't South Lake. Okay. <laughs> That'll be on next semester's uh, curriculum in South Lake, probably if the right things are going. That's that's the new uh, phys ed program. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, we do like to learn other fun things and educate ourselves on some interesting points. So, what did you learn this week, Brian? This one's much more fun. Apparently, Columbia has a cocaine hippo problem. 
Yeah, that's random as hell. You, you, you're probably like, what in the world is it? Is that like a you know, sewer alligator? Like Back in the 80s, noted drug lord Pablo Escobar, I guess, you know, had like many drug kingpins, had entirely too much money and not enough stuff to do with it. He decided he would build himself a zoo. And among the animals he purchased for his exotic zoo was three hippos. But of course, after he died, you know, his empire and all the stuff uh, fell, hippos apparently got loose, weren't tended to or taken care of. And now there are over 80 hippos in Colombia. And of course, they are not native to Colombia. They're causing all kinds of problems because as we were talking about this a little bit on the pre-show, we're, you know, taught by merchandise and Madagascar cartoons and Hippos are chubby, cuddly, lovable creatures. Hippo will mess you up. Hippos are one of the most dangerous land animals. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this. And most people haven't had to know this because, you know, they're not indigenous to your area. But now Colombia has had to learn this the hard way. People are getting killed. And to be clear, hippos have next to no natural predators. Mm Mm-mm. So if the hippos show up in a place where they're not supposed to be, where they don't even have to worry about the terrain or anything else, like they get to run roughshod. Barring something like poisonous getting them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently now they're working on sterilizing them and boy, <laughs> the job do not want. Now, and I'm with you, dude. Like we talked about this a little bit on, on the private show, but we were taught so much that like hippos are big and round and funny and, you know, and rhinos are super mean and they have these horns and whatever. But the truth is I've been fortunate enough to be able to actually just like pet a rhino. Like I've fed a rhino. Like they are basically like big dogs with horns. They can be trained even, but like for whatever reason, we're taught going through school that they're the scary ones and the hippos are the friendly ones. And honestly, that probably just leads to people getting killed when they see their first hippo out in the wild. So just you tell me everything the Spider-Man cartoon taught me about rhinos is just not accurate. Apparently. It is not accurate at all, man. Because like hippos, like I have seen pictures or video where like a hippo got attacked by like four lioness and like one's on its back, one's biting its leg or whatever. It ends up crushing the head of one and just like walking toward the water. And eventually the lioness have to let go or they're going to drown. And I'm like, this thing's it up to four lions. I'm like, what, what do you do against that? That's yeah, goaded right there. Yeah, I'm like, what do you do as a human? Like, you just get the hell out the way. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. Mine I, I don't know how many other animals can get jumped by not one, but essentially a pack of lions. And just oh, it has, to be, it has to be like elephant level, just from sheer yeah. strength, you know. But. Mine is not nearly as fun as yours is. Uh, unfortunately, we did find out a couple days ago that one, uh, I guess I could say the word great man. You know, he did Absolutely. a lot. Colin Powell passed. Uh, for those of you that don't know, he, unfortunately, I think he's known more for being black than for all the things that he's done. But he was like the first black many things at the public office level. Uh, as far as Congress and everything else, like he was the first like black head of the Joint Chiefs. He was, you know, just I think like six things. He was the first black X or whatever for for yeah. his job. Uh, 
Um, he's from a generation where you know, if you if you were <laughs> crushing it in that generation, you were the first black everything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the dude had. I mean, he was respected by everybody I knew that was ex-military. So I'm assuming he had a good following there. The saddest thing, though, has been seeing people react and respond to his Because, one, they did say he died due to complications from COVID, uh, partly because he was diagnosed with a different type of cancer, I believe. I can't remember which one. It starts with an M, but I can't remember which Melanoma, one. Melanoma, I believe, was the, the cancer they said he had. But the one he has apparently reduced the ability of his immune system to fight off disease. So when he contracted COVID, it just took hold pretty quickly. And obviously he just went downhill and then passed. And again, this is somebody who had money, had whatever, like, you know, he just bad situation. COVID got him. Nothing you can really do. You might miss myeloma. I am obviously not a doctor. Myeloma, which is a blood cancer that severely affects the immune system. Yeah, there you go. And it's been sad seeing people respond to his death because there's been a lot of like politicizing of it. And a large part of it is people who, sadly, if you'd have asked them back in the 80s and 90s or whatever, probably really supported the guy because he was heavily Republican. He was, I believe it was Bush Sr. that put him into office the first time. Was and, counted as a presidential candidate on more than one occasion. Yeah, yeah. And he even a couple of times he, he said he didn't want to do it because he knew how ridiculous it was. Which says something when the dude that's the most qualified probably <laughs> at that point in time says, no, I don't want this because I know how stupid everybody's going to act around this thing. And now just watching people want to tear him down because he's on the opposite team, effectively, you know, it's just like, that's rough. That's rough. Because this dude, I mean, by all accounts, I don't know of any other than like maybe they agree, disagreed with some political things he did or whatever. But as a person, I've never seen anybody say anything bad about him, no matter what political background they had. And I mean, when you're a general, yeah, you're good, like being a president. You're good to make mistakes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And- and they, they are mistakes that have far-reaching consequences, but that's part of being a military leader. Yeah. But like I said, as a person, when you ask anybody about their character, the way he held himself, you know, how he presented himself in meetings, how he was able to argue points against people, like nothing but great things to say. Anybody who's ever spoken or written about him. So it's it's tough to see that be the reaction on somebody, you know. And, and it sucks because to me, it kind of still further shows that you say you support the military, you say you support these ideals, you say you support these people in power and blah, blah, and whatever. But when the person magically isn't on your side or doesn't agree with your thing, all of a sudden they're like the scum of the earth. You know, it's like, come on, you got to have some awareness and some wherewithal. Because like of all political people, he's probably the one that the fewest people should have a problem with. And I don't even like and I've said before, I don't even agree with all of Obama's policies. And I'd probably be more inclined to look at Colin Powell and be like, yeah, there's very little to nitpick here. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I just thought it was interesting news. He passed. Uh, if you don't know about him, go read about him. Kind of an interesting dude. But that brings us to the rest of the news of the week. And Brian, you might want to take this one to start with, as you have an interesting comic related story. 
Okay. Uh, as, as we've seen for you know the past several years, including stuff is Into the Spider-Verse, uh, the, the incredible Spider-Man video games that have been done, it's kind of seemed like they've been grooming Miles Morales to take over Spider-Man the next time Peter Parker dies, gets his body kidnapped by Dr. Octopus, or any of the number of crazy things that can happen to comic book characters. But there's going to be a new Spider-Man book, and it's causing some calories because it's not going to be uh, Miles Morales taking over as a new Spider-Man. It's going to be Ben Riley, who, for those of you that don't know about the history of Ben Riley, he is a clone of Peter Parker, who was dead for a fairly long time in the comic books. But he's he's back and has kind of leapfrogged Miles in the uh, in the spider-man hierarchy so people have some understandably have some feelings about this that has to be a setup right i'm hoping what we're going for is kind of like the what just happened with captain america and the winter soldier the tv show where they're setting ben riley up to be the jerk that's really not qualified to be spider-man and then miles morales fights him defeats him or in some way proves himself to be a better hero and then takes over as the accepted spider-man but i don't know for a fact that's where they're going i mean I will say the pages i've seen before before uh, see uh so far make ben really look like a jerk so i'm hoping that's where they're going my thing is we now have a movie and some video games and whatever that have done extremely well with miles mm-hmm. morales at the helm Many people have called it the Spider-Verse the best Spider-Man movie of the past 10 to 15 years, and I agree. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you have these things that you can market the hell out of that the community is already way behind. Like, why wouldn't that just be the automatic slam dunk choice? That's why I think this has to be a setup. This has to be like, let's get some PR play out of this, get people talking about it. And then they find out the whole story or something. I can't, I because I, logically... From a public relations standpoint, I can't see why this, especially if you're even talking about doing another Enter the Spider Verse movie. Yeah, um, and basically the, the next uh, the next MCU Spider Man sounds like it's essentially an Into the Spider Verse movie where they're introducing multiple Spider Men and multiple villains from the, what's going to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe multiverse. Yeah. And even if that's where they're going, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to be upset if. Every black hero's first, I guess every black legacy hero, if their first storyline is, I have to fight the white hero that doesn't accept me, that's going to get old really fast. Yeah, that that's something we don't need more of. Like, whether it's a normal thing or not, like, we can tell better stories than that. And that's interesting, man. I don't know. I, I would assume Miles Morales was the slam dunk choice, but that's what I think. Uh, every, everything that we have seen over the past at this point, what 10 years or better indicated that when something happened to Peter, the mantle would pass to Miles Morales. Even in the latest video game that Peter kind of leaves New York for a while. And that's kind of basically what happens is on the, in an interim basis, Peter is not in New York. So, this whole video game is about Miles being the only Spider-Man around here. And it's gotten incredible reviews. I've played it. It is a great game, very fun game, and kids also love it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll see what happens.
Now, we did have some interesting stuff happen last week in the world of magic where we found out about some promos that I don't think we were supposed to find out about. Uh, and I wish I could remember which content creator it was because I know it was one of the women that was streaming and she found this live on her stream. But apparently, I guess the artwork had been coded and it somehow slipped through into Arena at some point. So we saw a couple of cards that had children's artwork on a card, and then you saw what appeared to be the a professional artist version of the child's artwork. So basically, uh, I believe, I don't know if one was like a crater hoof behemoth or something. There was the uh, the the Colossus, the big the big one from uh, I don't remember what set it was. The like big ten ten one or whatever, like that was in there, and a mole drifter was one I remember from what we saw. And it was basically like you would tell a kid, hey, this is what the monster looks like or whatever. And then they drew that. And then the artist took the kid's version and did an interpretation of the child's artwork. And that was the other card. Then we found out, I guess it was either yesterday or today, that Gavin Verhey decided to just make it official in a video and talked with the art director about how they came about it. So it's going to be an actual set of promos for the Extra Life for Kids uh, promotion they do called Child's Play, uh, which I guess is coming up soon. And you'll be able to order the secret layer, and all the money will go to that charity. So that's pretty cool. But that's a neat thing. And I got to say, from a PR standpoint, that is the best way to handle the situation when something gets leaked. Just go ahead, confirm it, get on top of it kneecap all the crazy rumors <laughs> that start when you don't confirm something that's leaked. Yeah, people, it's funny, you get a round of people that seem to hate that, but I, I'm with you. I think it's a good move, and it allows you to control the narrative around your product. So I, I would totally do that. Now, the fun thing for me is, this kind of falls in line with something I may have mentioned before, that uh, me and another employee at Wizards tried to push <laughs> around the time Unstable was coming out. But we weren't able to do it because it was too far along in the production process. But we wanted to have Crayola Lands, where you take the children of artists. And so like, you know, like John Avon, I don't know if he has kids, but John Avon's known for doing a bunch of land art and magic that people like. So you get Avon's kid to do like a crayon version of a forest. And that was what we were thinking you could include in Unstable, which I think would be awesome. But... Without I want those another, cards. That's, yeah, that sounds without awesome. Unstable being a thing, though, we don't have a place to put it, right? But the thing is, the secret layers didn't exist at the time. So now, maybe, maybe there's a chance, if these go over well and people like them, maybe we can get the Crayola lands. Come on, wizards. <laughs> like, make it happen. Let's do Crayola lands. That's a perfect place for, you know, secret layers. Is that, that perfect place for cards where, hey... A lot of people may not care about this, but for people that are really into the artwork and have already been purchasing Secret Layers, that's a perfect place to put it, I think. Dude, I would love to have a set of forests that look like the little kid. You know how they draw like Christmas trees to look like forests yep. or whatever? Like have like three of those on each of my forests. I think that would be great. I would love to have those. I don't even know if I'd play with them all the time or whatever, but I think that'd just be a cool item to own. So yeah, I, I would love to see that. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get them, but it's cool to see if this is a thing. So, like, I don't know. How do you feel about this type of promo? I it's, it's, I would be in for the Crayola lads. I love the child's play concept. 
Because yes. just as a matter of fact, you remember the the, the uh, comic book Axe Cop? I think is basically oh, yeah, yeah. The, the combination of you know the the writer took some of the the uh, just the, the I guess the drawings and creations of his I think it's his younger brother or something. Yeah, I think he was taking the stories from his younger brother and yeah. actually turning those into a comic book. But yeah, if y'all hadn't seen it, go check online. Axe Cop, it's very weird, but it's basically stuff coming from the mind of like an eight, nine year old. So, <laughs> yeah. which is part of why it's so cool. Yep. So you take it for what it is. But yeah, it's called Axe Cop. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I hope we see more promotions like this. I think this is a good way to do charity stuff where the cards are directly kind of correlated to the promotion that it is and the charity that it is. So yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of this. I think it's pretty neat. And then I think it's this weekend. I got to check Magic the Gathering. I, we're not calling it. It's not Grand Prix Vegas. <laughs> it's not a secret Grand Prix. It's, no, not, it's, not, a, it's not It's not a secret Grand Prix because uh, we can't call it that. But it, I think they're just calling it Magic the Gathering Las Vegas. And 2021. That makes it sound like a spinoff of CSI. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. But, uh, you know, you can only do so much. So, I mean, yeah. I can only be only fault channel fireball so much right you can you don't want to step on branding of the the company you do partnership stuff with but uh this weekend no not this weekend it's coming up in, oh i have my months mixed up it's in november that's why because it's the weekend before uh thanksgiving but they're gonna do two main events basically so it's almost like having two mini grand prix if you want to call it that but there's supposed to be one that's Innistrad Crimson Val sealed, and the other will be modern, and they will each have $25,000 worth of prizes. Uh, first prize is going to be $2,500, all the way down to 32nd being $500. So that's, it's a, I mean, it's a real event. I mean, real money. Uh, that's like, legit. Yeah, I, they're expecting a lot of people. They've already started promoting different content creators they're going to have out, helping with promotions and stuff. Uh, they do have a lot of stuff set up for safety though they do even highlight it on their website that there will be plexiglass separators for all their service stations which i'm assuming that's like registration the prize wall stuff like that uh, they're going to be pushing the contactless registration as much as they can so if you're using the wizards app or you're signing up through their website they're promoting that they're going to try to do spaced out seating so people aren't on top of each other hand sanitizer stations they're going to also have lots of space so people don't stand next to each other in lines uh, they're talking about having people coming around regularly cleaning stuff up. And most importantly, they are making it sure that everybody knows there will be mask mandated for the entirety of the event. And you have to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test within 48 hours prior to attending the event. So with all that being said, Brian, how do you feel about such an event? I think that's the best way to do it. You know, make sure everybody is vaccinated. They have masks and that uh, is, I guess, is that's the best we can probably do right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you, right? I, I'm still, I don't know. I guess I'm still in a headspace of where I don't. I think there's a way we could do it events, and they will be fine. But I think I'm still talking myself into like how badly do I need to risk going to an event? And I, and I, and the thing is, I'm not like sitting here like turning my nose up at anybody going because. I'm even now I'm still kind of on the fence and considering going and who knows, I may still end up going to the event, uh, especially since if things trend the way they are, then hopefully things will be better a month from now than they are now 
uh, as far as COVID goes. But I did do an event already in Texas. Granted, it was a much, much smaller event. And, you know, we worked with staff on all the COVID protocols or whatever. But even for that one, I literally went pretty much from my hotel to the event, you know, and since they were connected, I barely touched planet Earth once I got to the hotel. So, I mean, there's ways you can do it and minimize your risk, which is kind of nice. I think for me, I'm trying to figure out like if it's worth it from a personal entertainment standpoint, right? Can I enjoy it? Like, do I feel because like for me, part of the events is like at some point, I do want to go out and eat with a couple of friends. Right? I kind of want to hang out and just chit chat with people or whatever. Is it Am I going to feel comfortable enough to do those things to still make it be a fun experience other than just being an event? I think that's the biggest thing for me. And I think with all these things in place, I could probably do that and be okay, honestly. Because I'll say at this event, I will know that people have been vaccinated and people will be wearing masks. That actually is better than I went to Walmart the other night. I promise you (laughs) there were. Man. I, I didn't know. I, I probably would say I knew probably half of the people in there because Texas haven't been vaccinated. So I'm probably safer in that tournament than I would be going to Walmart, which I have to do sometimes. You know? I'll tell you, dude, it is still wild to me to see pictures from friends and family down there. And they're just be like, I might see three masks in a whole pile of people. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow. Like when I even stop off at the store here or something like literally like it's the opposite i might see a person without a mask you know like it's a whole different experience up here than down there like it it might be you know extremely obese and and on a scooter and you just know like they've got multiple underlying conditions but they just don't you know yeah man don't care to wear a mask but yeah i don't know I i think this event will be pretty good. I honestly, I think I'll be interested to see like, this is going to be kind of an interesting confluence of things, right? Like, is it how many people felt comfortable enough that were within reasonable driving distance or had the money to get there to go, but also like how big are events now because people one haven't been to an event in forever Right. Are people going to like just rush out to go to an event? Are there going to be more people because arenas brought in a bunch of folks and some people want to try their first major magic event in person? Like, is that going to be a thing? And because it's sealed and modern, like you don't even necessarily need modern cards. Right. Like if you just only play an arena, you could still show up and play sealed. So that could still be a thing. So I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of I don't even know. This almost feels like a weird test case event, (laughs) sort of. Because we haven't had a major magic event in two years. The first time I play live again, I'm going to have to play a starter deck because I haven't tracked any of my own triggers at this point in two years now. So it's just. Yeah, that's real too. I mean, I, I, mean, I can put together the most complex deck I want, you know, where triggers are happening, happening every time I play a creature. But now I'm going to have to keep tracking it myself. I just know I'm going to use a starter deck. Just so I don't mess up multiple things. Hey, I've at least been still playing Commander and stuff, so I've got at least got that under me. So I've got practice. I've I've at least physically held cards and know that I could still shuffle them. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of I credit to Channel Fireball for just saying like, hey, look, we're gonna take all these steps and just say like, we know the situation. We know some people may be uncomfortable. We're going to both maximize our opportunities to make money 
and maximize your safety and peace of mind and comfort by putting these things in place. And then if people just don't show, they don't show. And, you know, for all parties involved, you gave it your best shot under the situation, under the circumstances. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. I, like I said, I'm, I, you know, I still basically have probably about two weeks to decide if I'm going, you know, maybe really about a week probably before ticket prices go up. Cause you'll be getting close to the holidays, but I don't, know, maybe, maybe I don't, I'm not going to say I'm out, but it's at least a lot closer now that I can at least consider being in. Cause there's a bunch of other events I have not considered because they're like, Oh no, we're not going to have a mass mandate or no, we're not checking for vaccines or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I just can't go to that. Right. Especially if you're going to be in an area that's known for having bad COVID protocol during the pandemic. Right. If you're going to be anywhere that's remotely near the South or in one of these hotbed states where it's a big political issue or whatever. And then you're also telling me like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to check for anything. There's not going to be a mask, whatever. Like, there's no way I can go to your event. I just can't. But at least here they're doing everything in place. And it also sounds like. Uh, a couple of people who've been to the venues lately in Vegas is at least from the hospitality standpoint, everybody that's in that part of the community or the business end of stuff, at least kind of understands that like, hey, we got to do all these things if you want to keep the money coming in because Vegas is about tourism money. Absolutely. So, so far, everything sounds good. Let's hope it uh, stays on a positive track. Another quick thing we want to point out, not a lot to really discuss here, but there was a new code that was released for Arena yesterday, I believe. Uh, if you just go to the store and type in Golden Community as one word, just how it sounds, G-O-L-D-E-N-C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y, you will get 1,000 experience and two free cosmetics. And the cool part is the cosmetics aren't just card frames because I randomly got a card back as one of mine. So... Apparently, anything can be in those slots. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so just something neat. Want to make sure our listeners who may not have known, uh, I don't know how, because if you follow my other social stuff, by the way, follow me on socials if you don't want to be late to any of these things. But I believe the code is only good until October 26th, so it's a very small window of time. So if you want to go get it in, go get it if you want to get your freebie stuffs. And earlier today, we saw that some of the Crimson Valve promotional material started going out to content creators. And I think this is kind of the equivalent of how they sent, I was one of the people they sent a uh, the Midnight Hunt box to, where we got the apples and the lantern, where I still have the weird plastic apple, I don't know why. But <laughs> it's kind of cool that we got the little lantern and everything else. Well, for these, it looks like they sent a invitation gift box from uh one of the main vampires i think it was from olivia Voldarian actually so you got this nice little box and it has a fancy little bow on it whatever and you open it up and it's got like nice like filler paper or whatever and there's a uh almost like a masquerade mask in there with filigree and different stuff on it which i guess is the mask you're supposed to wear to the party or whatever it is that they're having to the wedding i guess and there's a cool little invitation and everything so Kind of, I got to give credit to Wizards for these promotional things. You know, I think this is a good way to involve your community, involve the content creators, but also like hyping your items up using your story elements and not so much just having to put the cards and stuff out there yet, right? Because 
even with uh, Midnight Hunt, it was about the harvest festival and all that. So obviously you send a, a bushel of fruit, right? <laughs> and you get this little lantern so you can technically use the lantern to find your way to the, the thing or whatever, the harvest, right? And here it's like, okay, there's a big wedding. It's going to be a to-do party. It's high society. Like we're going to send everybody these nice, I don't know if I want to say custom, but special made like masks that people can wear. And you tell that story of the wedding and the vampires and whatever. So it's kind of cool to see this stuff going out there. I think it's kind of neat. Uh, you know, same thing too, like the simple things, like sending people those custom deck boxes for the world championship players, right? As much as we, you want to harp on wizards, like these are the things I talk about too. You have to also give credit when they get it right. And I think these are very cool little promotional touches. Because I don't know, do you know of any other games that do stuff like this leading up to releases? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, especially like going to E3, they have a lot of, uh, kind of swaggy types. Like there, there was one that, uh, they were offering that I was not going to take because I was a black man walking the streets of LA, but it's, if you remember the, the payday video games where you're a bank robber. Oh yeah. Yeah. They gave you this thing basically like a, a heist kit with a mask and a money bag. And I was just like, no, no, that's awesome. But. I'm not walking around the streets of L.A. carrying <laughs> Yeah, that's not the best thought-out promotion. <laughs> it was but, cool looking. You know? <laughs> to be fair, the old Boros logo, somebody was trying to give me a shirt to like wear during pre-release or whatever for an event. and Or not during the pre I think it was for one of the pre-release things. But the old Boros logo is basically a black power fist behind like an explosive star or whatever. Or in front of an explosion. And I'm like, I don't know if I need to be wearing that. <laughs> right? Like, that's not what it is. But, like, if you see it on a black guy, that's what it becomes. You know what I yeah. mean? So I'm just like, man, it's a cool looking shirt. But, nah, thanks. But no thanks. I don't think I should be wearing that. <laughs> so, yeah. Go it's ahead, kinda, Decor, Do it. It's got to be to see this sort of stuff out there. So I, I hope this keeps up. Uh you know, and to be fair, you know, there's other games like Flesh and Blood that they tried to put out different promos throughout the year, some different ways, and that was kind of cool. But I think when you can find ways, and, and and it's tough, too. I think you have to also be a game that's already well-established, right? It doesn't True. really doesn't work to be like, hey, we're going to send you the special items or weapons or invitation of this character. And it's like, okay, well, most people who know about the game don't even know this is a thing. So that'd be kind of weird. But it's cool when you have the opportunity to be able to take advantage of it. I think it's pretty neat. So I hope this keeps up for sets in the Because, man, I'm already thinking about cool things you could do for Kamigawa. Like oh, yeah. Streets of New Capenna could be cool. You could send, yeah. like, cigar boxes that have stuff in them or whatever. Or fancy Cigars. hats. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could do some cool stuff with that, man. Like, that's there's got to be something neat you could do there. And then yeah, really, like, same. do it up. Yeah. I don't know. There's got to be something. It's got to be something. So I look forward to see what they're going to do with that stuff. But that brings us to the last uh, 10, 12 minutes here of the show and the dinner table. So this week, this is a topic that comes up quite a lot. And I feel like it kind of comes and goes, but we see it pretty steadily throughout the year. And it's about chat and communication within games when you're playing. And I, I have to admit that, like, I kind of really been enjoying my games lately that don't have any chat aspects. To them. <laughs> I mean, just being real, you know, one of the things and I've told the story on here before, but like 
the League of Legends community, just the chatter was so bad. I mean, can confirm <laughs> beyond beyond toxic. If there's a worse, de, like worse than deplorable, I don't know what's below that, but it was just bad. Like it just it, even the idea of booting up and like knowing, like even when I was excited to play, there was part of me that was like, ah, I'm gonna have to deal with the knuckleheads though, you know? Yeah, because I'm not good, so I know I'm good to get the flaming. Yeah, and I sort of felt like when I discovered Team Fight Tactics. That's one of the things I liked best about it. Like I can still engage with their world, with their characters, their IP. And I don't ever have to say a single word to a single person. Like I don't have to listen to anybody complain. People don't even like use the typed message function in that hardly in TFT. Yeah, I really don't for the most part. Yeah. So it's been such a good gaming experience. Same thing with Arena. Like, I hated even having to, like, close the chat window or turn chat off on Magic Online. Like, I'm glad I don't have to worry about that Arena. The worst I get is somebody that wants to spam, like, your go or whatever before you kill them or something. Right? Like, that's about it. Like, I have no want. or The only, for me personally, there's really a very small list of situations I would want to use chat. It would be like, hey, your deck looks sweet. Would you mind sharing your deck list? Hey. You have a really cool username. I'd kind of be curious what the background and the history is on it because I don't know what that is. And I think that's my list. <laughs> like, I have no other reason to have chat. I ran into somebody like else that was, uh, like, they were playing a dog deck in ranked. And I'm mad I want to talk to them. I've never wanted to talk to somebody in a video game chat as much as I want to talk to this person. But how many other times? <laughs> yeah, but how many other times? Would you really want to talk to the opponent? I mean, admittedly, that's probably under 10. But those 10 times, I really want to talk to this person. I want to be best friends with this person because somebody else playing a dog deck on the rag ladder. I just know they're my kind of person. Agreed. I get it. And like I said, there's one or two times I've seen somebody with a really cool deck that I'm like, man, that looks fun to play. I wonder what the rest of the deck list is. And I could have a whole probably hour long conversation about it and listen to them rave about their deck. But I also know the other 30 games I played that day don't have nothing to chat about with the opponent. But Which I absolutely would like to have the feature with the, the 10% of the time I want to use. I mean, for me, I'm not going to lie. Like, there's a time where people even just say hi, and I just ignore even saying hi back because I don't want to even know I have wow. the option on to talk <laughs> to them. Like, I'm just being real. Like... And like, and I even had somebody ask me on chat, like, why don't you say hi to more people? And I'm like, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> like, for real, just wow. be like, I just don't feel it because I don't want to open the door to. And the problem is, most people are probably being genuine, to be honest. Yeah, like, they probably are just saying. To, hi. to me, it just feels rude if somebody says it. That'd be like if somebody walked up to me and said hi, and I just did like, I don't feel like talking. That's what person, it's like to me. And I think that's what makes people surprised because, like, in person, I'll talk to literally anybody. Like yeah. I'll, I'll talk to, I literally have talked to people and then afterwards people are like, oh, you knew them? I'm like, no, nah, I just thought their shirt was cool. You know, like, and we just had a conversation about it, right? So I'm that person. But I think I've just, and I, I told the story before about just the minute I know I have to just play a game online and interact with people, I'm probably out. Like there's literally a pile of games that all sound like they were very cool. But the minute I went like, ah, majority of the game's online and I have to get on and play with other people, like ah, I'm out. 
Like all, I thought about it. All the games I've played and enjoyed recently. I mean, well, if you can walk up to somebody, or not even walk up, but if somebody says hi to you and you don't interact with, because there's, there's, I don't know, are there any games where you just have to talk to people? I think most games allow you to turn the chat off. Yeah, but the problem is, like, if I'm playing, let's say, a team-based first-person shooter or whatever, like the game experience is much worse without chat in it. Like, you got to be able to talk about locations and who's coming and move stuff around. And like, hey, this is going on over on this part of the map or whatever. Like, I, 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 I guess a lot of it depends on how good you are. Because one of the best Overwatch teams I ever played with, nobody had chat on. But everybody knew what to do. That's literally, like, the only way I could probably play that. Granted, I'm getting a little burnout on first-person shooter, first-person perspectives on games anyway. Because it feels like that's, like, the main way to make games these days. I mean, but, we didn't we didn't lose a game for about two hours. I sent people friend requests because they just no, they they had no they had no desire to ever interact again. But for that stretch, we had, and it was one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. Not three words were said, not one word was said, but everybody knew what they were supposed to do just instinctively, and they did it. See, and then even you're saying like one of the best experiences you had is nobody said anything. <laughs> but in, in, in most cases, you were right. You do want to talk to like, hey, somebody kill. I'm the healer, and, and Tracer keeps killing me. Can anybody <laughs> deal with her? And it's yeah, usually, exactly. That's what happens ninety percent of the time. Yeah, and that's that's the tough part, right? Because there are a lot of great games there, but I even even and dude, you've even said yourself shared video footage and stuff. We're like. The conversations and the stuff and the the language and people taking shots at people when they can tell they're a minority group of some kind, right? Like it's just like or female. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, why do you why do I even want to subject myself to that? Like, because sadly, in my experience, it has happened greater than 70% of the time I've logged on. (laughs) So it's just like, because at one point I was tracking it. And it was greater than seven out of 10 times when I played, I was having some issue or being called a name or whatever. And I'm just like, man, I just don't, I'm not for that anymore. Like, I don't, my thing is, and it doesn't harm me specifically in any way. Like, I get it that there's idiots out there, but it's just like, if I'm going to use my relaxation time to do something, I just don't want to deal with it. Understandable. Or, I think it definitely but, helps you know, to get a, find a group of friends and play in the same, you know, on the same server around the same time that you play. So you're just talking to people that you're cool with. Yeah, playing playing with friends, totally different. Like if I had a group of friends right now that wanted to go fire up League of Legends, as long as they were fine with me being the weak link, like, yeah, I'd hop on and play with them. But my communication would only be with the four or five people I'm playing with, right? It's not going to be with random idiots who think they're God tier playing at the crappy level I'm playing at, right? And I have to listen to that knucklehead. So like that much I get though. I mean totally on board with that like if it's just communicating with friends a whole different ball game but yeah it's tough i i just don't have it and the other thing the other problem i have too is especially now that i'm making content and streaming or whatever like that's extra editing for me you know what yeah. I mean? like to also not, not have that language in my video or the racial slurs or whatever and like taking time to have to report people and blah blah and it's like yeah that's not what I want out of my gaming experiences. Although, even, you know, when, when you have the negative chat, I will say I enjoy the experience of turning it around with somebody like, I'll pick a character. It's like, why are you picking that character? Why are you doing that? They start that, I'll just be like, they say those three magic words. 
I am a Smurf, and usually they kind of, <laughs> well, not, not always, but sometimes they will show up and provide and actually play well. I can prove I'm a Smurf. They just go, okay, you know what? It's a whole thing. Hey, we're sorry we doubted you. you know, and, and that's a fun experience. Fair, fair. Yeah, it's it's tough because I do see some people in various groups, you know, in different different tweet threads and stuff that, like, man, I really wish there was chat. I really wish I could talk with my opponents and whatever. And one of the things I kind of wonder is, like, is that for people who mostly play online and don't have physical interactions as often? Because I could see how if you don't have access to a group of players outside of your games, that would be a big point of interaction for you. Yeah. Right? For me, it's like, true. I could turn that off, and then I can go play Spell Table with a bunch of people and play Commander probably any day of the week if I wanted to. Right. There's even a couple of local stores. If I really wanted to, I'd go down and just play physical magic with people. I have friends that play various games that I could call up and we can get online and play with. So I'm not missing the interaction with strangers because I have different pools of people I can interact with. But if I was just, I don't know, maybe a single person living alone, I'm not going out and doing a lot because of COVID. I just got into some games, so I don't really know the communities that well. Maybe chat would be relevant for those people. You Even know, like, you know, before the pandemic hit, some of the people that are, that I would consider myself friends with, talk to on a regular basis, are people I have never physically been in the same room with. They're that's people fair. I met playing, you know, playing uh, Overwatch or Call of Duty, Madden, whatever. And like I said, I've had experiences where. I, and I think it's also kind of what the communities harbor when you get humans in group settings. Because I can say when I've played Call of Duty or played League of Legends or whatever, like those experiences are way worse than when I've played Madden. When it's just a one-on-one scenario, whatever. Like in Madden, the most I get is somebody like rage quits or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you're you're up. I, I did have somebody that was beaten in Madden tell me to get COVID nineteen and die. That did happen. Damn, I didn't even think about that being a new insult, but I guess that yeah. kind of makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a thing. It is. <laughs> it is sadly it is a thing. Now, as I said, on the other hand, there are people like the group of people I call, you know, my Justice League on Overwatch, because we are now on a first name basis with each other, like the Justice League, we all tell each other our secret identity, but most of them I have never actually physically met. But like we know, we know what each other's kids' birthday are and stuff. You know? And you know, and I get that, right? Because I do remember when I was playing, well, City of Heroes, then it became Champions Online, and we had some regulars we played with. You know, we we had a little super group or whatever they called it in that game. And there's probably 20-ish people on any given day. You get in little groups of five to eight or whatever, run around, and it was pretty cool. And over time, you get to know those people. So it's not like, I don't think that communities can't be built through chat, for sure. I think that is a definite possibility. I mean, I've seen it done. I've been part of something that's done. I just think it's tough because it's it's sadly more of the rarity than the norm it feels like and that's that's the hardest part to all of it and and from a company perspective 
you have to be saving your people a bunch of like customer relations time and whatever to just not have the chat. Because otherwise you have all these accounts getting reported and then they have to go follow up stuff and they got to go look at chat logs and they got like, that's got to be a ton of extra bodies and hours you need every week to go deal with that if that were the case. Because I just think about the number of arena usernames I've reported. I can only imagine what chats would come from those things if there were a chat available. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, and, I, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I mean, there's probably hundreds of those are already dealing with every week. So who knows? And, and I've seen even people still now post some absurd chats that happen in Magic Online. So, I mean, I know they deal with that on a regular basis. So they're probably not trying to replicate that. And... I don't know, man. I wish there was a way. I really do. I wish there was a way we could either more easily audit those people so they just aren't allowed to use chats or more quickly report them and remove them from the communities than anything. Because I've also seen where, like, and I don't know if it still happens, but I know for a while on Xbox, like, a user ID could get reported but like you had to get so many strikes and then there was like a 30 day ban or something. And then when you were brought back, you still could get another two or three strikes. And then you were, had like a six month ban or something and blah, blah. And then some people were just getting new user IDs anyway. So they're and it's just like, what's the point, right? Like we got to have better things in place for all this. Uh, and I, and well, I, one of my favorite things I've seen game companies do is where if you have, like if you leave the game all the time or if you're abusive in chat, they put you on a special server with other people who are trolls. I actually like that idea. Like put you, you on the Isle of Trolls. You basically just banished to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> yeah, you go to the Isle of Trolls. I'm I'm yeah. good with that. I would be totally for that. I'm just like, hey, we're not going to stop you from playing the game. We're just going to put you in this pile with the other asshats. <laughs> so y'all could just be jerks to each other, but you're going to be isolated from the rest of society within our games. That's like, one of my favorite ways I have seen that handled. I'm I'm good with that, honestly. I don't even care if you even treated that like incarceration. We're like, we're gonna put you here. You get three months after good behavior. We'll analyze your account. We'll put you back in in Gen Pop or whatever, right? Like, like I'm okay with that. Like <laughs> Gen Pop, I love it. <laughs> like that's that's a that's a, a method I could get behind. If we said, hey, we're going to maintain a server just for the jerks. And then if you're a jerk among jerks, then we got to get rid of you because then you're just an awful human. But Yeah, I mean, if you if you have ticked off the people of the island of, uh, yeah, island of misfit toys, if you will. Exactly. Like, you deserve to just be off our game, right? I, I would be more in favor of that because then we're not leaving the person to still be out there. Because the problem is not everybody reports things. Right. Because some people feel bad about it. Some people don't want potential backlash from it or whatever. So people just go, ah, this person's just a jerk, whatever. I, I'll just ignore it. I'll try to finish my game or whatever, and we'll just move on. So I always wonder, like, even when somebody does report something, are there another four, five, ten incidences that may have pushed other players away? Or I don't know how made somebody cry or I, whatever before the person eventually got their ban. Right, like also, 
Also on Overwatch, though, if you're either at the really high or really low level, it's already hard to find a match. So if you block somebody, that even further decreases the pool that the system can pull from. So let's say you want to play DPS and you block somebody, it could take you two hours to find a match. And yeah, at that point, it's not even fun to play anymore. Mm, I didn't even think you've, about that. You've ruined your own experience by blocking somebody else. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's tough. Because the higher rank you are, there are fewer and fewer players at that level. Uh, that does kind of suck. Yeah. I don't know, man. There, I feel like there, I, there's got to be a better solution. But unless, like you're saying, they have a full system for you know exiling people that have that attitude or whatever... I think I'm in the camp of just like leaving chat off. I feel like I can still make games work and I can still play with them with no chat if necessary. But there's also some levels where the community just goes a step too far to be trollish. And I just ain't got time for it. Yeah. And that's why I told you that it's not even about hurting my feelings. It's not about like me being insulted. It's just like just not wanting to mess with it. Like I got other things I can do and other games I can play and just not have to have the hassle. So, no, Brian, why don't you everybody where they can find you on social media? I am DL Caesar on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. You can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P O W R D R A G N, on most major platforms. But you can also check out Power Dragon Reviews and Reacts, my new channel that just went up a couple days ago. As always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Please take care of yourself with all the COVID and the junk out in the world right now. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 